Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. It's fabulous to see you all. We're going to make one slight change. In the whole of Christendom, there's a common call and response. It's an easy one. The Lord be with you and the classic response is? We're going to change it up a little bit. The Lord is with you. Declarative. And your response to the leader is? And with you too. So it's got a little extra sass to it. Can we do that? Yeah. The Lord is with you. There, a little more sass. Come on. The Lord is with you. There we go. Uh, Ryan uh, has our opening greeting at the pulpit. Good morning. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in the walk of faith, know that you are so very welcome in this sacred space. A space has been prepared for you here. In song and in spoken word, let us too prepare a space in our hearts for the Holy One who wakes us, who guides us, and cares for us along the way. The Lord is with you. Holy is God, holy, immortal, ever-loving, ever-present here and now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, find refuge in the love of God. Holy God, in this time of worship, feed us full with your love, grace, and peace. Amen. Today's sacred text is Psalm 133. Lo, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to live together in unity, like ointment on the head that goeth down unto the beard, unto Aaron's beard, yea, that goeth down unto the color of his cloak, like the dew of Mount Hermon that goeth down unto the hills of Zion. For there the Lord sent blessing and life forevermore. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, heavenly comforter and spirit of truth, blowing everywhere and filling all things. Treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and abide with us. For if you are with us, God, and nothing else matters. And if you are not, then certainly nothing else matters. Amen. Thank Nita for reading that translation. That was from the Wycliffe Bible, which was the first English translation uh, of the scriptures. Um, but I also want to read to you a translation, uh, the NRSV, which is pretty much the most commonly used Bible uh, in American churches today. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, dripping down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. So for those of you that don't know, I'm a self-confessed Bapta-Lutherpalian. <laughs> what I mean by that 
I'll unpack it for you a little bit, is that I was raised Baptist, but I am an Episcopalian through and through. For the past four years, though, I've primarily moved about in Lutheran circles, and I love Lutheran worship, I really do. I recall one of the most powerful liturgies that I've ever taken part in being at St. John's Lutheran Church of downtown Sacramento. Lutherans can also make a cup of coffee that puts Episcopalians to shame. And that's the eighth sacrament for us, so. But in these four years, I've also noticed that Lutherans like to squabble with each other a lot. Um, and I say that lovingly. I wish Dr. Carlson was here, because I would ask him in three words to describe the difference between the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and the ELCA, which we are a part of here at the university. I suspect that he would say something like liberal, conservative, and fanatical. So two years ago, I received a job offer from a tiny little church affiliated with a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, LCMS for short. Now, uh, I had been extensively warned about the LCMS, never to cross into that territory because they're crazies. <laughs> and to this day, when I tell people where I work, inevitably they'll follow with this question, and I hate this question, I get it so much. Do they know that you're queer? It's like asking, do they know that you're brown? It's not really something that I can hide very well. <laughs> Needless to say though, my first day on the job, I was a nervous wreck. I pictured myself entering the den of lions or perhaps the fiery furnace. Yet what occurred on that Sunday completely altered any preconceived notions that had been built up in my mind. When I arrived, I found my way to the organ loft, and there to my surprise was a piping hot cup of coffee ready for me. Before I was even able to sit down at the bench, the elder of the church approached me, and I thought, oh boy, here we go. Are you a baptized and confirmed Lutheran? To which I responded, I am most certainly not. Okay, he said, pastor would like for you to join us at communion if you feel comfortable with that. I was shook. So there I was, a heavily tattooed, pierced, queer Episcopalian of color, and none of this mattered to them. They didn't even know me, and yet they were ready to welcome me at their table. Barriers collapsing, I was welcomed as one of them. I've long been intrigued by the theological concept of kinship. It's one of those words that pack a significant amount of meaning into a tiny amount of letters. I turn to the psalm that we heard a few moments ago, how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in community, or unity, excuse me. In this particular edition, uh, I'm using the uh, NRSV Oxford Annotated Study Bible. There's a footnote, and it links you up with the 25th chapter of Deuteronomy. Uh, there, the author prescribes uh, a succinct set of standards for brothers and sisters living together. Um, and this is where he talks about um, uh, uh, when 
someone's wife dies, then you take your brother's wife. You know this part. Um, in essence, there we're seeing a familial understanding of kinship, kind of a bloodline relationship. And I think that in contemporary society, we still use this word that way. Um, the antebellum South, and even the South today, makes frequent use of that word. And think of John Boy and Mary Ellen. When I googled the word kinship, the first result linked to a restaurant in Washington, D.C., who defines the word as a feeling of being connected to other people. We open daily at 5.30 p.m. Believe it or not, I think that first century Christians would have probably understood the word in a similar context. Indeed, the early church would have defined kinship in its broadest terms, the interconnectivity of all creation. The Gospels persistently remind us of our common kinship to our neighbor, whoever and wherever our neighbor may be. There and throughout scripture, we see prophetic calls to live into this kinship. And so often they challenge us to live into kinship with those on the margins, the orphan and the widow and the stranger. These are people that we'd be content to forget about, those who irritate us, those that we could not possibly imagine ourselves being related to. A scene. Downtown San Francisco, me walking to church because what else would I be doing? One wrong turn brought me into the heart of the Tenderloin District. I don't know if you've ever been there before. In an attempt to return to my plotted course, I made a left onto what I thought was a quiet street. Fairly certain that I was the only one there, I allowed my mind your own business, don't look at anyone in the eye, look like you know where you're going, guard, to come down. Boom. From a stoop littered with syringes and hypodermic needles stumbled a man, probably in his 30s, unshaven, dirt smeared, and dressed in rags. I was consumed by my malfunctioning maps app, so I didn't see him coming my way. Our collision was abrupt, and either of us found our respective rear ends on the sidewalk. I was enraged. And I will shamefully admit to believing that my inconvenience was the biggest problem at hand. This crazy junkie couldn't get his life together for two minutes so as to bump into someone else. I was late for church. Puffed up on my own ego, I didn't engage the man any further, but I got up from the ground and pressed on. His face, however, has remained with me to this day. Why couldn't I get over myself in that moment? Why couldn't I see the pain that he was experiencing and that it was so much deeper than the small bruises that I would later develop? Why didn't I immediately go to the bodega literally next door and buy him a bottle of water? Was he not my kin? Father Gregory Boyle, one of my heroes, comments on what he sees as the biggest issue of our day. He says, too often we've let ourselves believe that we don't belong to each other. 
that not the truest statement you've ever heard? All one needs to do is turn on the news to see how truly polarized we have become as a society. As soon as we find someone with a different outlook or lifestyle, we begin to demonize them. We flat out refuse to accept them as our kin. This weekend, I was at lunch with a woman who was from the Netherlands originally. Before moving to the United States, she had been extensively warned never to speak of politics in public if you want to make and keep friends. And this came to her as a bit of a shock. In the Netherlands, she noted, there are many small political parties, so it would be rare to have a friend group comprised of a majority affiliation. And yet politics are always table talk. People disagree, but the tension that we have in America, we wouldn't find it there. So friends, I would like to propose to you today that the kingdom of God and kinship are synonymous with each other. When we learn to lean into our common kinship, otherness disappears. The margins erase themselves. When our circle of compassion is expanded enough to include the person that we cannot imagine being related to, then we are living into the radical, radical kingdom of God. When we dismantle the barriers that separate us from one another, that is the kingdom of God. It's never about fixing the other or changing them or making them think the way that we think. It's about receiving them, who and as they are, wherever they are, and allowing, them, allowing ourselves to be fed by them. So I'm going to leave you with two quotes. The first comes from Sister Dorothy Day. Love and more love is the solution. The second is from the venerable, excuse me, the venerable Bede. He alone loves the creator perfectly who manifests a pure love of his neighbor. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hear these words from the first epistle of John. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of kinship. The neighbors we have are from you. They challenge us and call us into deeper humanity. As we prepare to leave this place, remind us that to love our neighbor is to love you that when we live in unity, we unite ourselves to your heart. Amen. People of God, take God's love to heart. Take it with you and spread it all around. Embody it always. Love one another. Go in God's peace. Amen.